Standby. Hello, this is Penn Jillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the lackadaisical Librocubicularist podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I would potentially enjoy it. A ringing endorsement. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the LibroCube. My name is Jordan Maywood and I am the lackadaisical LibroCubicalist. Today we're in for a treat. Well, potentially. That treat is, you can perhaps hear, my voice is all deep and sexy and stuff. Uh, That is because it is 6 o'clock in the morning. This is probably the earliest I have ever recorded a podcast. Just period. Full stop. Uh, last week, like, I had it ready, like, I literally could have potentially recorded it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, any day of the week. I had all the notes, I had everything prepared, as I do, uh, it just, uh, I always had other things that sort of intruded that were, uh, quote-unquote, more important. Not that anything is more important than the recording of a podcast no one listens to. (laughs) Silly rabbit. Uh, so I decided, uh, I'd get up, uh, well, at the same time <laughs> as I normally get up on a Saturday morning. Did I say Sunday? I meant Saturday. And, uh, record then. And it has the bonus effect of the sexy, sexy voice. <clears throat> you know what? Let's do no preamble. As I normally do. Uh, I guess I should, should always do the potential spoiler warning, which is a warning of potential spoilers, which is what that just was. Uh, and then we'll push a button, gonna try, because it's so early in the morning, and I still have a lot to do, to stick to the timer. (coughs) Oh my god. Uh, yeah. That was a morning manly coffee burp. Potentially, a professional would cut that out, but I'm so impressed with that because I'm not much of a loud burper that I will leave that in. You're welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rough you some things. Today's movie monologue sponsor is Death Serial, the serial killer. Okay, Uh, movie the first is, if you're following along, you will be aware, a Highlander movie, because I'm watching every single Highlander movie, one a week. This is number three, uh, Highlander, the final dimension, or, which I do prefer, the original title, Highlander 3, colon, the Sorcerer. Uh, that's very strange to me. Uh, Highlander 3 The Sorcerer was the original title. And then later, they changed the title to The Final Dimension, and then yet made more movies. So, don't have the word final if it's not the last movie. Like, if anything, it should have been the other way around. It should have been called The Final Dimension, and then they're like, oh, you know what, we want to make a couple more of these things. Let's change the name to The Sorcerer. But no, no, no. It was the other way around. 
Silly. Uh, these Highlander movies, man. <laughs> After two, uh, I don't know how they... What is going on. <laughs> I don't know where in time this is. That's probably the biggest confusion. When you have immortal beings who fight each other and, quote-unquote, there can be only one, um, and you're jumping through time and, you, and everyone sort of looks the same... Uh, yeah, it's very, very confusing. Like, are we in the future and in the far past or in the... <clears throat> or are we in the super far future and then the super, super far future? It's... Uh, I don't know. And it doesn't really matter for this. Uh, this is not as good as the first or second, so I think rating-wise... I'll, I'll go with three, which, if you're unfamiliar with my rating score, is enjoyed while watching, but probably wouldn't watch again. I think that this falls into that category. Let me see if the Imbida gives us anything. Uh, deceived that he had won the prize... Oh, of beating everyone killing everyone. Uh, Connor McLeod awakens from a peaceful life when an entombed immortal magician comes seeking the Highlander. Oh my. Uh, and then that's it. Who plays the magician guy? Yeah, that's right. Mario Van Peebles, who I think around this time, when was this? 94. He was uh, pretty big back in the day. Okay, uh, let's move on to a uh, movie the second, Michael Moore in Trumpland. Uh, this is a Michael Moore movie, unlike any I had seen, in that it's almost like he did a stand-up routine minus some of the comedy. Although he is funny quite often through this. Uh, funny in a very not-funny situation of Trump being elected president. Uh, in the weeks... Oh, no, this he did this before. Oh. Interesting. Uh, in the weeks before the 2016 general election, Oscar-winning filmmaker Michael Moore performs a pro-Hillary Clinton stand-up. Oh yeah, this is right there. Stand-up show deep in the heart of Trumpland. Uh, sort of uh, reminiscent of uh, Religulous with Bill Maher, uh, in that these guys go to the sort of heart of people, go go to areas in which the people who hate them far outnumber those who don't uh which i think is a, a, at the very least you got to say they got some balls to do stuff like this uh this is not my favorite michael moore like it doesn't have the production values it's just him on stage it felt a little rushed compared to his other stuff uh but all in all you'll get some interesting information uh and some laughs on both sides of the aisle which is impressive i i think a Trump supporter could watch this and not have hate overflowing in their hearts. So that's uh, that's impressive. Uh, Rating-wise, I'll, I'll go solid four. Yeah, I did. Uh, I would recommend to anyone. Uh, okay, next we have Reign of Fire. Oh, dragons, you say? I do. This came out in 2002, and I think that's the last time I saw it, so I figured we're... Over 10 years since I've seen it. It's a movie with dragons and uh, uh, Christian Bale, Matthew McConaughey, Gerard Butler. Quite a few big names in it that you'll recognize. Well, those three. <laughs> uh, it's in a post-apocalyptic world, which I love. Uh, it's apocalypse that was brought about by the existence of dragons, which sounds pretty fucking awesome. 
The movie itself is just okay. Like, it's, uh, for me, a 4 out of 5. Okay, so we're not sticking to the timer, apparently. Fuck. Um, probably people like it less than that. You know, it's... Uh, it, the dragons look pretty good, uh, considering 2002. Um, yeah, I, I would recommend, if you like post-apocalypse stuff, if you like dragons, why not watch a movie with both of them? They should put that on the box cover. Okay, uh, the last two movies I will sort of roll into one, because as you've heard, we're out of time. Uh, they are Manson and Amanda Knox, both of which are uh, Netflix-created uh, documentary things uh, about serial killers. Or is Manson a serial killer, per se? Or did he just cause other people to serial kill? Interesting. Still, I think we can all agree, a not very nice person. You know what I'm just noticing on the cover of Manson? Uh, he's got a tattoo of just an X on his forehead, whereas the real Manson had a swastika. I wonder why they made that decision. Like, he's a bad guy. We don't have to unbadden him a little bit by removing the swastika and put an X. Weird. Uh, okay, so uh, rating-wise, Manson or Amanda Knox, if I had to pick one. Well, let me say this. Of Amanda Knox, I, like, my memory of it was in 2007. I'm not much of a news watcher, per se, so I knew of it, but didn't really know any details. So, at the very least, now I know a lot of the details surrounding Amanda Knox, uh, an American exchange student. Uh, who is convicted and eventually acquitted for the 2007 death of an other student in Italy. Uh, you'll probably, if you knew as little as I did and watched this movie, walk away thinking that she did not do it. Uh, I don't know if that's the bias or just they gave the facts and that's the conclusion I came to. Uh, Manson, on the other hand, takes a different approach. Uh, it's taking one of the Manson family members as a source, and then doing, like, uh, like, it has actors reenacting things, uh, for a lot of the movie with sort of this real person who was actually there narrating parts of it, so an interesting idea, so for that reason I'll give it a three, and Amanda Knox I'll give a slightly less three. <laughs> it's fucking convoluted, but that is how we roll in the Libro Cube. Today's television talk sponsor is Monk and Gnome Flute of Fire Tanks. What the fuck does that mean? Okay, so, if that doesn't give it away, which I don't know how it would, uh, we're going to do a double game gabbin for the reason that I uh, hadn't really completed uh, enough television shows to bring anything back. I, I could have kind of half-assed a television talk but uh, I didn't feel like it, and plus I had a lot of Game Gabin stuff, or two things anyways, to talk about. So I figured uh, we'd double Game Gab. Uh, this is Double Game Gabin Dungeons & Dragons We Red Owl. Yes! So uh, what I decided to do 
was um, give a bit of a uh, backstory slash recap of uh, where I am, where we are, uh, as far as my Dungeons and Dragons campaign that I am currently enrolled in. Uh, so uh, every week, since I'm in charge of keeping notes, I will uh, create a recap of what happened uh, the day before, uh, and then I'll post it for all to see, and then uh, when we meet again, we'll sort of have that to go by to see what happened, which, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it helps, I think, and plus it's fun for me to do. So I thought maybe I'd uh, read... Uh, I don't know how much time I have. Maybe I'll just do the last... Two, Yes, so this will be from Session 2 and Session 3. Uh, as Sir Francis Bacon, hmm, Bacon once said, knowledge is power. With that in mind, we read Al, Tathlin, and Eleanor embark from New Albion in the hopes of extracting information from one Ugg Smith. A grisly scene greets them when they arrive at Ugg's shack. What at first appears to be a dead dwarf hanging by his neck is actually a dead human hanging by his neck with his legs cut off. Investigating the scene, they discover the mark of the overwatch. Also, a glowing red tip on the goblin-slash-orc detector and some goblin blood means that goblins were probably involved somehow. Uh, as the group head out in search of the culprit, culprits, Silros seemingly pops out of nowhere. He explains he was detained by his paladin order for his unpaladin-like behavior, and that if he continues down the path he has, he may no longer be welcome among his brethren. Spoiler alert, he was kicked out for being not paladin-y enough. Uh, also, he said his favorite number is three for some reason. I wrote that because he kept rolling threes. Not long after SWAT team, uh, we call ourselves Team SWAT because our initials spell out SWAT, uh, was reunited, they came across a clearing in the goblin and orc infested forest. And as you do when you come across goblins and orcs, you kill the shit out of them. Highlights include uh, Tashlin and Al surprising the band with simultaneous shots from concealment to start the battle. Uh, Eleanor cooking an orc on the fire. Delicious. Uh, Silros shakes off hit after hit until finally he gets mad and fucks shit up with his masterwork spear. A wild boar appears and is Pokemoned by Tathlin. Uh, we read out bluffs a goblin and finds out that there is a nearby cave where the Overwatch stores all the stuff they have stolen. Al likes stuff. After a brief rest, the band begins the trial of the never-ending cave descent. That is actually five levels, it turns out. Stuff that happens include... Um, like a USB cable, Al tries to open the cave door with the orc detector, which does not work until he turns it around. Yeah, I put the key in backwards. Shut up. Uh, the SWAT team enters the dark, light, <laughs> the dark, tight, steamy, wet hole. The cave, I mean. So, so steamy, they cannot... Shit. Uh... So steamy, they cannot see very far, so play a game of Throw the Torch. 
the going gets tough, so Al turns invisible, and remains so for three levels. Uh, after an initial battle, the group tries to fill a five-foot hole with three feet of goblins. Uh, Silros boldly heads down, as he does, to the next level while the rest of the group plans their next move, which is to lower an invisible owl through the steamy wet hole to scope out the next level. Uh, level two of the cave was clearly designed by Admiral Akbar. It's a trap. Uh, sliding on down to level three, they encounter a weird... Not all their room pulsing with magic. Uh, a less magical room offers up some goodies. Uh, loot. Uh, down they go once more until a giant boulder of death rushes after them. Al jumps into a niche with zero thought of helping others. <laughs> zero thought of helping others. Tathlin barely jumps down to the bottom floor. Silros tries to do the same but falls, and Alinor rather than save himself, tries to pick up Silros and drag him to safety, which almost worked. Uh, level 4, a.k.a. Rope Bridge with Archers Shooting at You of Death, uh, Silros, boldly again, walks across the rope bridge only to be stopped at the end by a giant orc. Uh, Al follows, and since he cannot get by, he finally breaks his invisibility to charm the giant orc, who kindly lets him by with a playful push. Uh, Tathlin discovers how hard it is to shoot into a dark slot. Alinar seemingly becomes suicidal and jumps down 25 feet to the next level. Uh, Al and Tathlin eventually make it across and decide that discretion is the better part of valor Rush and rush down to the next level leaving Silros, who, for a moment, seriously contemplates, boldly, taking on a room full of four archers by himself, despite being near death. Uh, the gang reconvenes on the fifth and final level, boiling hot waters and a series of small islands separate them from an enormous figure. Uh, we Red Owl flies, fucking flies, over to an island and ties a rope so that the rest of the band can more easily make their way over. Silros, boldly of course, heads over to join Al, but apparently Al needs a little practice with his knot-making, and Silros plunges into the scalding water, and the pain is so intense he passes out. Uh, while all this is happening, Tathlin and Alinar are also moving up towards the giant figure. A giant who we Red Owl has been calmly chatting with, since he knows that even though he has hardly taken a scratch, his friends may not be up to fighting a bugbear. Whoops. Uh, after some talk, a deal is struck with this bugbear by the name of... Uh, Fleeg the Fierce. Uh, the deal is not... The deal is to find and quote-unquote remove two people who reside in New Albion and are higher-ups within the Overwatch. Everyone is seemingly getting something good from the deal. Uh, Fleeg the Fierce will be... will be free from his connection with the Overwatch and be able to leave this cave that he has been forced to stay in and protect. 
what are his intentions which, once he is free? Uh, may not be great if bugbears become uh, commonplace in the area, but with him gone, the SWAT team can take over his place within the organization. Uh, two, Tathlin has been uh, promised information, information that will help him find and wreak vengeance upon the orc general who slayed his mother. Uh, Alinor, sorry, three, Alinor has realized the good they could do in the world and the souls they could save uh, would be unparalleled if they could turn this evil organization around from within. For We Red Al has visions of running the Overwatch and using its power for his purposes and goals, most of which are books, booze, and broads. Uh, Silros was unconscious, so did not get a vote. Uh, he did gain not being killed, so that was good. Also, the rest of the band was sure that the thought of making tons of gold running the Overwatch would please him. Uh, the SWAT team then heads back to New Albion, gathering all the rope they used to get down into the cave, and decides what their next move will be. Will they eliminate the two people as the bugbear wants? One of which is the mayor, by the way. Uh, the other one's name starts with the letter E, is all we know. Uh, will they totally ignore this quest, since they just said yes, so they would not have to fight a bugbear? Uh, will they eat sandwiches? Find out next time on Dragon Ball Z. Okay, so that took longer than I thought. Uh, potentially, <laughs> I'll do uh, number three next time. Uh, so you could see where we left off, because I didn't think... I thought maybe I'd read all of them. I, one was too long. Jesus. Conan, the librarian. Don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? <laughs> Today's book banter sponsor is Ireland. Okay, uh, again, if you're following along, if there is a person out there who is following along, you would know that I was going to watch another Highlander movie. You would also know that this book banter is for book number four of the Pendragon cycle. Uh, it's called Pendragon. Huh. The, the, the titular titular book. Does, does that make sense? It might. Uh, okay, uh, Arthur is king. As in King Arthur? Yes, that's the one. Uh, but treachery runs rampant throughout the beleaguered Isle of the Mighty. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, darkest evil descends upon Britain's shores in many guises. Fragile alliances fray and tear, threatening all the noble, noble liege has won with his wisdom and his blood. His most trusted counselor, the warrior, bard, and kingmaker, who legend will name Merlin, is himself to be tested on a mystical journey back through his own extraordinary past. So, in a black time of plague and pestilence, it is Arthur who must stand alone against a terrible adversary, for only this way can he truly win immortality and the name to treasure above all others. Mm. 
Okay, so uh, this I enjoyed this book. Why don't I throw my writing right off the bat for... Uh, would read it again, but uh, it's, it hasn't been my favorite in the, the uh, cycle so far. Gotta say, I really, really did not like the beginning of this book, and I'll tell you why. Uh, and this probably wouldn't happen to most people, I assume, so this is more on me than anyone else, but a little bit on the author, Stephen R. Lawhead. Uh, and that is, I was, started to read the book, and I thought that I was, I, I accidentally started to reread the previous book. Uh, let me explain. Uh, this book starts almost exactly where the last book started. <laughs> just from a different point of view, which was confusing to the degree that I seriously thought that I I, I read on a, uh, a Kindle, not a Kindle, uh, a Kobo uh, e-reader. I, I seriously thought maybe I pushed the wrong button and was accidentally reading uh, the same book over again, which is not a pleasant experience. That's not what I want. Uh, eventually... After hitting the next, 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 like I think I was like 50 pages in before it reached things where I was like, okay, now I don't know what's going to happen because I haven't read this part. Uh, really, uh, I, I, I don't get it. I, I don't see the reasoning unless there's, if there's, you know, 20 years between books and you're trying to. Uh, let people know what has happened so far and rather than just saying this is what happened so far and sort of telling retelling the story from a different point of view I, I could see it being a sort of an interesting idea but I don't think it necessarily works so uh, once you skip through a shit ton of pages <laughs> uh, and get into the actual book new things itself uh, it is a good book uh, we go to Ireland uh, which is then invaded by the Vandals. Uh, I think they're called the Vandali, but uh, I believe historically they're called the Vandals, who are a group of, not very nice, barbarian folk. Um, uh, Arthur and the Irish uh, manage to beat them back, but where do they go from there? Uh, apparently, they go back to uh, Great Britain, Britain uh, the Island of the Mighty, so uh, Arthur has to chase them, and they do something that is never a good sign. Uh, this is something I've read in a bunch of fantasy novels o over the years, and it always sorts of fascinates me, because it's something that I have heard had actually happened in real history, and that is uh, uh, people invade your land, they come via boat, uh, and then they burn their boats. Uh, and the reason they do that is so that... There's no surrendering. There's no giving up. It's either win, uh, win a place for yourself in this new land, or die, which is a, a sort of fascinating. Um, it's often said on in things like this, like the leader of the band is like, uh, in order to get his peoples to fight their absolute hardest, uh, they do this sort of seemingly crazy thing. So uh, that's sort of fascinating. Uh, we've got plagues, which is never good. Um, this book ends with uh, one of the characters, I won't say who, uh, being very, very sick, possibly plague-ridden, possibly not. We don't know. He's just in a bad state. Or she. So uh, seemingly I'm about 20 pages into the next book, which is called Grail. Uh, that's going to revolve around finding the Grail to heal this character, which is uh, interesting. Uh, 
uh, thing. I love uh, I love a good quest. So far, this this series hasn't been quest heavy or not much of questing at all. Uh, and because I love a good quest, I'm looking forward to the last or is it the second last? You know what? I should make a mental note because I think it might be the second last, and I don't know if if I have the copy of the last book. So, huh. better look out for that. Today's Game Gabin sponsor is the concept of music. Thank you for that sponsorship. I couldn't have done it without you. Or I could have, and it just wouldn't have been as fun. Okay, so this is a first ever Game Gabin in that uh, the game we're going to be talking about is one that I have created myself, no less. Uh, This came about from a couple of things. Uh, one of which is that uh, the missus and I do not share a, uh, a love of the same sorts of music, and uh, I am very passionate about my music. Uh, when we got married, uh, the wedding day, virtually 100% everything was decided by her. The only thing I wanted a say in was what music was played. Uh, and the choices of musics and, and, and things of revolving around that. Just for the simple reason that I can have a bad time if the music is bad. It gets into my soul. I can have an amazing time if the music is amazing. I, I am not a violent person whatsoever. Uh, there have been times where at parties I have physically taken over the music and not let others put... Uh, music on. I've done this not through physical force so much as being, you know, six foot, 240 pounds and standing in the way uh, <laughs> and not moving. I've done that. Uh, six one, I should say. I should give myself that extra inch. <sighs> so, uh, anyways, what does this all add up to? Um, the thought of having people over and listening to music with the Mrs. Present saying, turn this off, I don't like this song, Um, I did not like. So I designed this game to have people of differing music tastes uh, be able to enjoy their music uh, while playing a game slash gambling along with it. That sort of idea. I call it Song Democracy. Yes. Uh, okay, so uh, I've done sort of uh, an instruction page, and I'll read it here. Uh, maybe I'll post it in the description. That would make sense as well. Yeah, mental note to do that. I'll probably forget. Anyways, uh, so things you'll need. A deck of cards. Uh, I've, I've written here you need a 20-sided die. That's, that's just to make it a little easier, and you'll have less uh, rolling to do. Uh, but you could use a 6-sided die. Um, a box tape closed with a card size slot. Um, I'll explain that as we get into it. Uh, and music. 
Uh, the music, I've written here, best done with music from Jordan's phone. You probably don't have my phone. <laughs> so uh, probably take your friend, and you could sort of switch off as well, but probably good to have a friend with a eclectic sense of music who has a shit ton of tunes and use their music because you want, uh, you don't want to have to be going back and forth and, 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 you know, put that, that's sort of the idea. So you don't have to have a bunch of people, uh, plugging in their phones or putting CDs on. You remember CDs, cassette tapes, eight tracks, uh, just let the music happen, that sort of thing. So, uh, objective, uh, to prevent one person from ruling the music like some sort of despot or despot, if you prefer, uh, song democracy, like real democracy has tons of crazy rules to decide things. Fun. Okay. Uh, getting started, uh, divide the deck of cards into red and black. Everyone rolls the, I've written 20-sided die, but again, use whatever. Everyone rolls the 20-sided die, and whoever rolls the highest deals out all the red cards. And then they deal out all the black cards, so that everyone has approximately an even amount of red and black cards. May not be exact, and some people may get more, but it was all up to chance. Uh, hit play on music preferably shuffled and cranked to 11. Okay, now the rules. There's only three rules, so that makes it pretty easy. Within each rule, there's sort of explanations here I have. Um, okay, so rule number one. And this, is, this is sort of the, the main democracy of this. Uh, if all present vote to skip the song, the song is skipped. If none want the song skipped, the song is not skipped. See, no problem there. Everyone agrees. You don't have to do anything. Just let happen what should. It, it's when there's a, a disagreement that we need the other rules. <clears throat> uh, if some want the song skipped and some do not, then each per person rolls the 20-sided die. And whoever has the highest roll gets to decide what happens. Okay. Uh, for example, if three people want to skip the song and one does not, then the one person must have the highest roll of the four in order to not skip the song. So the reason I like this is it's not just a simple vote, because as we've seen in the election, voting is not simple. Uh, so say the three people rolled a, uh, a two, a ten, and an eleven. And then the person who didn't want to skip the song rolled a 20. Then the song is not skipped. Now, now the people who want to skip it have better odds of skipping it, but it's not impossible for, for them to not be able to skip it. So that's sort of my goal here. Uh, okay, so tie goes to the largest group of people. So say I roll a 20, someone in the group who wants to skip it also rolls a 20, then the group wins. Uh, ties where the group, ties where the groups are even, roll again. So two groups of two, both of them roll 20s, roll again. Uh, voters, uh, votes to skip can be made at, oh, oh yeah, so votes to skip the song can be made at any time during the song. You don't have to do it right at the beginning. Uh, you can get halfway through and then vote to skip. 
and last, if you are not present, your vote slash roll is forfeit until you'll return. Okay, that, that's just sort of common sense, but that's it. Okay, rule number three. Red card equals skip the song, and black card equals do not skip the song. Uh, cards must be used before people... Uh, cards must be used before people roll a vote. Yeah, so uh, if you have a, a song that uh, everyone uh, votes... Uh, yeah, cards must be used before people do a vote roll. Okay, so uh, let's have uh, that same situation. Three people want to skip it, one does not. Uh, the one can use a black card uh, to not skip the song, and there is no vote. It's just he used it, uh, he, can, he then puts it in the box, and that's one of his cards gone. Uh, one black card and one red card can be played per song. If both a black and a red card are played at one song, the two contestants roll, and their higher roll wins. Uh, once you are out of cards, you are out of cards. You can still vote and roll, though. Uh, no sharing cards. If you leave, you put your remaining cards in the box. So basically, the idea of the cards is sort of a veto. Uh, say everyone but you doesn't want to skip a song, you can use a red card before you roll, uh, and then the song is skipped. Unless someone plays a back black card, and then you both lose your card. So, uh, I, I, I hope you understand the rules. I tried to make them simple. Three simple rules, that's all there is to it. Today's Internet Intercore sponsor is the Buff Huskies Yeti Beard Trimming Kit. Okay, item the first we have from Mr. Danny O'Dwyer and Noclip, his new channel video game documentary Patreon thing, uh, the story of Rocket League. So if you're unfamiliar with this, uh, I've been talking about it uh, on and off since it happened. Uh, Danny O'Dwyer left GameSpot, probably the biggest... Uh, gaming website on the interwebs to pursue his own stuff to make his own things so uh very i don't know why would i say i'm proud of him but i am <laughs> uh <laughs> what is it? why would i say that I, I i don't know anyways so this is his first sort of creation it, it is the story of the video game rocket league uh rocket league is a game i got for free on my playstation i played a couple of times uh, it wasn't my cup of tea uh, then it exploded when innumerable uh, Video Game of the Year awards. Just just a crazy amount of attention this game gets. Um, the fact that it was not my cup of tea means that the story of Rocket League is not something I particularly had an interest to know about. That being said, because it's Danny O'Dwyer and I've never seen him put anything out that I hadn't enjoyed, I did watch it. And guess what? I liked it. Uh, that's the thing about documentaries, and Adam Carolla says this a lot. Uh, a documentary on a subject you have no interest 
in can still be a documentary that you enjoy. So Danny O'Dwyer has accomplished this. Uh, he has mentioned his uh, next one is about Doom, which I do have interest in. Uh, that one I'll definitely bring back as well. Recommend you watch this. Check out his Patreon. You can um, help sponsor these things. Um, I cannot afford to do so, but perhaps in some small way, me talking about it on a podcast no one listens to will help. <sighs> Next we have uh, Nerdist. Yeah, I haven't brought too much Nerdist back in a while, I don't think. And uh, recently they have had uh, an appearance of a character by the name of Onyx the Fortuitous. Uh, <laughs> this fucking guy... I love him. Yeah, something about him. Well, lots of things about him. <laughs> but I don't think on anything Nerdist related. Maybe uh, when Jimmy Pardo had his show on it or the, the the show where people would improv a stand-up set. Those, those may have made me laugh as much as this guy. But this is sort of scripted stuff, which uh, it's like a uber-nerd guy living in his mom's basement that, that sort of idea and he has a, sh a podcasty show and creating web content and there's a whole bunch of videos of him on Nerdist I highly highly recommend you check out just the guy playing him uh, maybe it is him I I don't know it, it's that sort of fine line but like like trailer park boys uh, they're always in character. I, I feel like if you were to meet this guy, he would always be in character. Like, uh, that, that sort of thing. Okay, uh, Onyx the Fortuitous. Moving on, Vsauce talking with David Attenborough. Yes, uh, does love this. Just to a great mind of today, uh, Michael of Vsauce, and a great mind also of today, but also of yesterday, David Attenborough sitting down talking about uh, life and nature, and uh, most excitingly, that uh, Planet Earth 2, um, actually probably, definitely by the time this is out, has already aired at least the uh, first couple of episodes, I do think, uh, so, so that's coming out, which guaranteed at some point on a television talk, I will bring back Planet Earth 2, because Planet Earth... Uh, the documentary, any David Attenborough documentary, going to be good. But that one was really incredible. That was the first, you know what I remember of that? It was the first Blu-ray DVD I ever purchased and watched. And I remember the sort of opening scene, I think it was, uh, of just a, a shot of a tree sort of revolving around. And it, it was the clearest shot I've ever seen on a television up until that point. And it felt like the tree was there. Uh, and then David Attenborough's voice comes up and it just gives you those fucking goosebumps. Goosebumps. Uh, Funhouse. Buff Huskies. Biker Gang. <laughs> Uh, I fucking love Funhouse. Uh, I, I think I've mentioned this probably every time. Really did not stick to the timer at all today. What the fuck? Uh, every, every time I mention Funhouse, that they're basically the only YouTube channel where I think I watch every video that they post. Which, usually for everything else, I sort of pick and choose the ones that look interesting. But uh, these guys really got their shit together as far as video gamey, comedy stuffy things. Uh, Buff Husky's Biker Gang is. They're playing uh, GTA, as you do. They're playing the new 
biker expansion as people do um but they're sort of role-playing it a little bit which i think is where a lot of the comedy is coming from uh so check that out uh if and if you like that go back and check out where uh, lawrence was the ceo of a corporation and they were role-playing that a bit uh i like going deep in the role play as you can imagine <laughs> from things that have already happened in this episode um okay so this last one we should get the the gold award of all of these things i think uh, with special guest, Lauren Lapkus. That's her podcast where uh, she is the guest and she has someone come in and be the host. Uh, and they uh, they improv this whole thing. So uh, in this case, uh, the hosts... Well, this was kind of an interesting one, actually. How do I say this? So uh, they did a, a, a podcast called Generations. Uh, the generations were grandmother, played by Paul F. Tompkins, uh, son, played by Scott Ackerman, and a granddaughter or a grandson, played by Lauren Lapkus. I think grandson, yeah. Uh, so they improved this whole fake podcast, and I think no, I, I don't think I know that I have never in all my podcast listening experiences, which is a lot, uh, laughed so consistently over such a, uh, over the course of a podcast episode, just nonstop, basically, uh, tears in my eyes at some points. And if not tears at my eyes, just normal laughter. <laughs> so it was sometimes in a podcast, you'll have highs and lows. This was highs and then super highs. Uh, gotta be just the funniest podcast I've ever listened to period. Uh, Paul F. Tompkins and Scott Ackerman, two of my favorite podcast people, just period. Uh, and then Lauren Lapkus, one of the best improvers I've ever heard, also just period, uh, getting together. It, it was sort of a special episode, um, and you have to watch it. Never, you know what, I'd be happy, never listen to this podcast ever again. Instead, go listen to that once, and you'll have one. You'll have one. And that, as they say in the business is a win-win. Folks, it is nice to be nice to the nice. Done and done. And I mean done. Done and done. <laughs> I like Ron. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean buts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Nah, something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. 
Wait to see that sunshine day. You ain't seen nothing yet. The best is yet to come and be. Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come. Live long and prosper.